Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news and your views. Alan Corcoran. The uh, Climate Change Advisory Council have proposed Ireland's first carbon budget programme. To discuss this, I'm joined by the chair of the Advisory Council, Marie Donnelly. Good morning to Marie. Good morning, how are you? Lovely to talk to you, Marie. Once again, we discussed climate change. It seems to be everywhere at the moment. But there is a fear factor out there that because we are discussing it so much, it's going to be a major turn-off for people, something that I'm sure you would not like to see happen. How are you going to keep people energised about this, Marie? Well, I think one of the first things is to look at climate change as an area that we need to take action in as soon as possible. Uh, Personally... I prefer to look at the opportunities out of the action that we're going to take because those opportunities will allow us to take action that will prevent all of the negatives and horribles that we've been seeing as a consequence of climate change. Mm. So if we take the action now, we can get the benefit. And I think it's important to keep, you know, front and central, what are the benefits of taking these actions? So, I mean, let's start at home. You know, when and if we get our houses retrofitted and they are using, you know, a zero-emission heating system, we will have a warm, comfortable, draft-free home to live in. I think that's a fairly big positive for all of us, to be perfectly honest. It means that we will be able to make choices in terms of our transport. Yes, we can reduce the volume by, you know, choosing on occasions to walk or to cycle or to take a bus or public transport, as the case may be, but we also have technological solutions that will make it possible for us to use, for example, electric vehicles. in the farming sector, and this is a big area, of course. It surely you know, is, yeah, huge. <laughs> it is a huge area, of course. And But one of the important elements of it, you know, we have three gases in agricultural carbon dioxide. We have nitrous oxide and we have methane. The nitrous oxide, there are really practical, pragmatic technological solutions that will allow us to address that problem. And out of that, we get clean water. You know, this has been a big issue, as you know, in, in your own area. We get clean water and sustainable agriculture so we get a double benefit there we get a benefit in terms of clean water and we get a benefit in terms of reducing greenhouse gas emissions so uh, yes you're right uh, and it's a lot of the scare stories that are out there but i think we also have to look at the positives and to the opportunities that are in this we also have to look at the seriousness of the situation just how serious is it if we don't address it it, it is a serious issue and i have to say and i fully accept that it's it's a challenge. You know, we have a very, very high level of ambition set out in our legislation. It's a 51% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. Uh, That's a big challenge. It's a big ask. The alternative, though, is, uh, and we've seen this. I mean, this isn't into the distant future. This is a reality of today. We've seen the storms. We've seen the ferocity of the storms. We've even seen a hurricane in Ireland. Uh, We've seen the floods. We've seen the damage that these floods have caused. And on the back of that, we've even had drought in this country, which, you know, is almost unbelievable. Uh, we, we see the, the temperature rise in the sea and, as a consequence, sea level rising. And this is a challenge and ultimately a threat for those who are living in, in our bigger cities because most of them are on the coast. So there are real negatives that are there if we don't get this right. Can you just, before we look at what you are proposing to do over these three, five-year periods or phases, um, who are the Climate Change Advisory Council? Are you a government body? Who do you represent? So, in fact, we are in an, an, independent, an independent body. Uh, we work on the basis of the best up-to-date and latest science. Uh, we are a constituted uh, 14 members, 
gender balanced, so we have seven women and seven men. And the membership consists of uh, climate scientists, uh, transport experts, agricultural experts, industry experts, uh, trade union experts. Uh, we have biodiversity people there as well. We have macroeconomists and energy experts, just to give you a flavour of the diversity of the membership yeah. of the Climate Change Advisory Council. And is it being listened to by government? Who do you report to or where does the information that you uh, put together go to? Uh, uh, and is it listened to? So, in a formal sense, the recommendation that we made on Monday, that's a recommendation addressed to the government. And now the government, one, they have to decide whether they accept it or not, but equally, they have to take it through the Oireachtas. And so it is ultimately the Oireachtas that will, you know, pronounce on this as, uh, you know, acceptable or not acceptable, and it becomes legally binding at that stage. So we give independent scientific advice, and then through the government and the Oireachtas, it becomes a requirement in the country. Your most recent submission then, what's in it? So what we're saying is that, uh, it's first of all, it's two five-year budgets. So a budget is an all-economy limit to the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that the country can make in that five-year period. So we have the first budget, which is 2021 until 2025. And there we've said the limit in terms of tonnes of CO2, it's 290 million tonnes of CO2 equivalent. For the second budget, it's 200 million. And the trajectory from our baseline for the first budget is a reduction of 4.3% every year for the first five years. And then for the second five years, it gets steeper, and it's 8.3% for the, each year for the second five years. So what we've done is it's, it's a little bit, and it's not easier, but, you know, we have built into the first budget the fact that we need to make investment now, particularly enabling capital investment now, yeah. the benefit of which we will get in the second budget. So going back to the first budget then, how do you achieve your targets? Where, where, how will you achieve them? What, what are you proposing that we do? You mentioned retrofitting so, of houses, you mentioned electric vehicles. Can you put it in layman's terms? How do we, how do we achieve those targets? So, I mean, I suppose just before I get to real layman's terms, what happens with our proposal is it goes to the government and it's an all-economy budget. And then the government divides that and allocates it to the individual sectors. So transport, buildings, agriculture, electricity. And each of the sectors then have their own target within which they have to stay. And it's very important that supporting the sectors through, you know, not be legislative changes or policy changes or incentives or other measures are part and parcel of what we call the Climate Action Plan, which the government now has to bring out in response to our proposal for the budget. But on on a very practical level, uh, let me just take two cases. If I take transport, uh, transport is a real challenge for us. As it happens, you know, even though people would say we're a small island, but we're quite dispersed in the island. So transport emissions are quite high per capita in Ireland. So, of course, the first and the cheapest for everybody is to reduce demand. That's, you know, choosing to walk, cycle, take public transport, as the case may be. So that's the first one, let's say, reducing demand. Uh, saves your pocket, saves the, the environment. The second one is let's use the new technologies. And this is, you know, where we have electric vehicles, and as we progressively decarbonize electricity, then they become an option. It is true to say that it gets tougher then. When you talk about, say, heavy-duty transport, 
there we have to get new technologies we have to get you know renewable gases made available so that they can choose to use those as the fuel going forward into the future and of course the last area which is really really challenging um, not just for ireland but indeed globally is to have sustainable aviation fuels yes so you know you can break down each of the sectors into you know uh, reducing demand on one hand what are the technologies that are available today? What are the technologies that are hopefully will be available very soon that we can use? And then we do have challenges going through to the future. Can people find out more about what you do? Because uh, we're, we're having a brief chat this morning, Marie, but if people want to find out exactly who you are and the proposals you've made in detail, where do they go? We have a website, Climate Change uh, Advisory Council. It's on the web. And on the web, you'll see, one, our mandate, two, all of the membership and our bios are there. And what we published on Monday, in terms of the technical report, it's about 95 pages, you'll find that, and all of the backup information that we used in order to produce that report, it's also on the website. Uh, a few questions to raise. First of all, you're speaking to South East Radio in Wexford, and wind energy is high on the agenda at the moment, and, and we're trying to get it into Rosslare, your report. Where do you stand on wind energy, you and your team? Well, we're looking at decarbonizing the electricity system in Ireland, and that means we have to move away from a fossil fuel-based electricity system, not least because fossil fuel prices can vary enormously up and down, and we, we see that right now. We're very fortunate in Ireland in that we have a huge wind resource. So we have the option to decarbonize our electricity system using wind and indeed also solar, and longer term, I hope, also marine. Yeah. So... We have, as you, as you know, we do have a rollout of onshore wind already, and the next step for us will be offshore wind. It represents, you know, a quantum leap in terms of volume. Mm. It is what will make the second budget workable for us, yeah. and that is a real opportunity for Ireland. A caller who sells turf and logs hit hard with the rules they're making for the climate change. It's hard to make a living now. So there are people who depend on fossil fuels to make their living. What do you say to them? Well, this is absolutely right. So one of the key messages that we have included in our report is that it is absolutely essential that nobody is left behind in this process. But we have to be honest. There are certain jobs and certain activities that will be impacted in a negative sense. And it's absolutely essential that the government puts in place policies, you know, to firstly make people aware, <coughs> excuse me, and secondly, support them in retraining, reskilling, maybe moving into entrepreneurial activity as the case may be, so that they will be prepared for this change and will not lose out as part of it. Would the council, would your council have any position in government making hydrogen power for hauliers produced in the island of Ireland? Can these be made easier? Well, hydrogen is a real opportunity going down the line. Of course, it's not really available yet, but if we can develop our offshore wind, and particularly floating offshore wind off the west coast, we will have the capacity to produce hydrogen. And you know, not only will we have hydrogen for ourselves, but it will ultimately become an export product if that's what we choose. And yes, it may well be hydrogen in our heavy-duty transport. It could also be renewable gases. That's why I put it at level three of, of the challenges for transport. We have to look and see what are the options there. And also, I think it's important, given that much of our, many of our heavy-duty transports would ultimately find themselves maybe on the continent, we have to match up so that when they leave the island, they can also refuel uh, as they 
pass out through the, the various countries in Europe. People cannot afford electric cars as most drive second and cars that can be as much as 20 years old. Is there any plan? Would you recommend a scrappage grant for people to try and get these cars into the affordable bracket for the general public? Also, tractors, etc. use huge amounts of diesel compared to cars. Are these going to go electric too? Interesting points raised by Rob there. And we've had a discussion about t- rising fuel prices this morning in the programme, Marie. So it's a nice follow-up to what we discussed earlier on. And the price of electric cars has been mentioned quite a lot by our listeners. Yes, and, and at the moment, uh, electric cars are, are charging a premium on, shall we say, fossil fuel cars. And that's why the government has this grant in place to, to bridge the gap. But the other thing to look at is what's happening in terms of the automobile manufacturers and their, tre- their production trends. And they have announced and are switching very quickly to electric vehicle production predominantly. And as they do so, the price differential to fossil fuels will disappear. And in fact, it will probably drop even below fossil fuel car prices. Do you believe that because they're mass-produced, electric cars will eventually be cheaper than petrol and diesel cars? It's very likely to be the case, yes. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Yeah. And that will allow us... Now, uh, of course, it takes time, I should quite rightly say. Some people buy a new car... Some people buy a second-hand car. So it does take some time to work its way through the economy. But I think ultimately the market is going to drive that one because it's going to make common sense to everybody. Right. We we have people texting in about keeping windows open, etc., fresh air, that type of thing as well. Is there anything we can do on a daily basis that doesn't cost anything to help the environment? Well, I mean, I think the, 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 my first suggestion would be let, let's help the environment but also help yourself. I think the first thing is to absolutely check your own insulation, particularly your roof insulation, because a lot of the heat that we produce disappears through the roof. So, I mean, whatever insulation you have there, I would almost say double it. It's, it's actually one of the cheapest things you can do and has a huge benefit for you. Uh, a second issue is if you have drafts from front door, back door, whatever, you know, try to try to look at those because yeah. if you can avoid those, it makes your your house warmer and more comfortable for you. So these are you know really really practical things that don't really cost anything. It's a first step. Of course, there are other steps you can take. There's a whole very nice guide on the website of the SEAI, that's the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. Yeah. You know, they have a ten point plan for people that they can use. You know, the first ones are free, effectively, and then it gets a little bit more expensive, depending on how ambitious you want to be. Yeah, we, we have a comment from a listener who says that every doctor say, open windows, let in fresh air. This listener believes the government is, is, wants houses airtight. Uh, but this listener believes that uh, for 52 years they've lived in an airy house and they intend to stay healthy. So we're getting a lot of interesting comments this morning, Marie. A final question revolves around the whole area of smoke-free zone. How can you determine if you're in one? Uh, I think you'd have to go to the DEC, uh, that's the Department of uh, Energy and Climate Change uh, website, to get there the map. And I think it's also on the SEAI website. You can see there the list of areas that yeah. are smoke-free. All right. Great to talk to you. Enjoyed the chat. Lots of interesting uh, information shared with us this morning. But again, if you don't mind, please, to point people towards your comprehensive website where they can find out more. Yes, it's the Climate Change Advisory Council.ie website. Talk to you again soon, Marie. Thank you for taking our call this morning. Good morning to you. You're welcome. Thank you. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.